It's time for the Give Me Zone on the ref. 11. Now, this is a 12, guys. Now he's got to start worrying about qualifying for next year's Open and the Masters here. He's lost this tournament. He'll end up selling Countess Maritimes and renting golf carts the rest of his life. We're talking PGA, college, high school, local courses, and the latest golf news. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Yeah. Okay, you can own it. Now, it's time for three tremendous slouches. Well, we're waiting. Brian Vineyard, Josh Helmer, and Matt Reynolds. Ah, giddy up. It is a special Saturday edition of the Gimme Zone. Good morning. Welcome to the show to everybody out there. Josh Helmer alongside Brian Vineyard. We've got state champions set to be in the house, but they're already in the house, but they're joining us. Next segment, Norman North, head boys golf coach Ryan Rayner, and the Timberwolves. They're here. The The state championship trophy, Brian, is sitting here in studio. Uh, amazing. It'll be fun to talk to those guys. Of course, we've got a PGA championship coming up next week from Southern Hills. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't see the Saturday implosion coming from Jason Day, but man, we sure got it. But uh, Brian, good morning. Yes, uh, you t- tap yourself on the back. You you did see that coming. Good morning. How we doing, man? Uh, we're great. Doesn't Norman feel like the town of champions? I mean, between the championships that OU's knocking down and now Norman North, and guess what? North's playing for another one right now in soccer. In A couple of them. Minutes. A couple of them, yeah. This afternoon. The- Girls uh, and boys, amazing. Yeah, it's in a sport that has kind of been dominated by those Edmond schools to see Norman North be able to to get this done with a special group win their first state championship. Pretty remarkable. And the fact that it happened at Jimmy Austin, I think, is, is pretty cool too. But we'll dive into all of that. So you called it. What did you think? Jason Day. <coughs> Hacking it up, coughing it up on Saturday. He shot, Brian, he shot a nine over on Saturday. Yeah, I really didn't see him throwing up that badly. I had picked Max Homa just because I think he's playing really well right now. I was sad to see Jason Day give it up like that. But, you know, it's golf, and when you haven't been under the gun in a while like that, when it comes right down to the pressure situation of winning a tournament or not winning a tournament – it's it's a big change. It's a new feeling. You got to you got to re- recoup that old feeling that he used to have. I would like to retract any statements I may or may not have made a week ago about Jason Day potentially contending at a PGA Championship. Say you know as early as next week, and I would like to retract any of those types of comments if they exist out there. Duly noted. We'll let you retract that. Everybody gets one one revision, right? Well, Max Homa was obviously fantastic it's his fourth win and afterwards he had this to say in the winners press conference how does it feel to hear four-time pga tour winner it's crazy uh, feels really good uh obviously seen some low spots on this tour and for the last three years now kind of finding my stride and and Racking up four wins is crazy. Uh, I think I was at TPC Scottsdale practicing in the back of the range uh, random day, and Nota Begay happened to uh, 
be back there. So we were chatting, and he said, you know, he's doing some Champions Tour stuff coming up. And he had just mentioned that, you know, you qualify by having four wins. And I was like, man, that's crazy. You know, it feels like a lot of wins. And I realized I was one away. So oddly, in the back of my head, all of a sudden, I was like, man, I, I could really use a fourth win. Uh, but it just feels good. Um, career's kind of settling down, and I'm settling into uh, myself as a golfer. And he's got a newborn, I believe, he and, uh, he and his wife on the way. And I loved, I loved what he said. It's going to be tough to top this Mother's Day, so good luck, son. Fourth win. Yeah, it's, you know, he's coming on. I think uh, he's a guy you got to watch. Yeah, he'll, he'll be uh, – we've seen this in major championships in years past. And really, I mean, you just don't have to go too far back. You just go to the Masters the first major of this season, what was a lot of the scuttlebutt out there, Brian, was Scotty Scheffler is setting the world on fire, right? I try not to – it almost – somebody winning a couple of times, and this is silly because every sign would be pointing to yes and all the trends would be pointing in the direction of, okay, hey, this is a great pick to win this major championship – it almost sometimes makes me less likely to pick that individual. It's, ah, surely they can't win a second time in a row or a third or a fourth time in a row. But we do see that on the tour where guys just get into that groove, and maybe that's where Max Homa finds himself as we gear up now for Southern Hills. Yeah, he is in a groove. I tell you what, it uh, you know, being on fire and having a streak in golf can really pro- propel you for several weeks. and. He's a guy that you would have to put at the top of your favorites list. Uh, you know, speaking of the PGA, disappointment, a little bit of disappointment, right? Coming off with Phil Mickelson pulling out. Yeah, I, I mean, we've spent a lot of time over the last month discussing he's got to play, right? He's got to play. And it seemed like everything was trending for him to play. Both Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, their names were in the list of entrants. And obviously the fabled Friday news dump from the PGA PGA Championship and obviously Phil Mickelson passing along that he's withdrawing from the 2022 PGA Championship as the defending champion. We'll dive into all of this, I'm sure, in hour two, but just some of your initial thoughts on it, Brian. Well, my initial thought is, when's the last time a defending champion pulled out when it wasn't injury-related? Can, can you think of a time? Well, the list I was looking at was the, the three most recent names that missed their chance to defend. Rory McIlroy, and it was injury-related in the kickabout, <laughs> the, yeah. the soccer injury <laughs> before that uh, – Major about eight years ago. Tiger Woods, I forget which tournament it was. I think it was right after he won at Torrey Pines on his broken leg. The the major championship right after that he missed. And then the other name before that was Payne Stewart because he was in the plane crash. Yeah, that's and that's boy, that's a tough one right there, reliving that that uh that uh, catastrophe with Payne Stewart because you talk about a guy that was a fan favorite. Boy, that that guy really was. But you know what? What's so cool about today is I'm sitting here looking at the 6A Boys State Championship Trophy. 
And I'm a little jealous, Josh. I'm not going to lie to you. I had the privilege of playing in that state championship multiple times. RPC North team never got it done. But these guys here at Norman North. They got it done. Coach Rayner, Coach Calf, and the guys. uh, Man, that is some impressive stuff. I got to tell you, um, especially when you're in a situation like they were, you're coming in as the favorite playing on one of probably I consider one of your two home courses, Belmar would be the other one. And that's a lot of pressure on you because the expectation is that you win and it's not something that this school has done in the past. And so now it's like I've got all this pressure sitting on me and I've got to come through. And it's a that's a big deal. And and you know, they're not just a senior laden team like some teams out there. They have a couple of sophomores out there that are on their on their top five that are really contributing. Yeah, I mean, that is a lot of pressure, and clearly they were up to the task and on the back nine able to to come surging and win the state championship. So what do you say? Let's take a timeout as regularly scheduled right here. Oh, we're right on time. I love it. Right here on the Gimme Zone, it is the ref. The Gimme Zone, obviously, on the ref. And, as always, brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems. Visit them online, EliteRoofOK.com. In Oklahoma City, number to call, 405-361-3094. Out in Tulsa, 918-984-5475. Enough of us talking PGA Championship, at least for a minute. It's time to talk to the champs. Norman North joins us next, the Timberwolves boys. State golf champions right here. It's the Gimme Zone on the ref. Back with you. It is the Gimme Zone right here on the ref. Brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems. The champs are here. We welcome in Leighton Kyle and head coach Ryan Rayner. Well, coach, obviously, uh, and you can grab this microphone's sitting. Uh, there, there's one there and then one kind of, yeah, swung over. Sorry about that. Coach, uh, Take us through. How does it feel? State champions, you you took over and I'm sure thought to yourself, okay, this is possible with this group, but going out and getting it done is obviously a different story. How did you guys get this done and how does it feel? I mean, we got this done through our work, you know, starting in August and September last year and just continued stacking building blocks and getting better, you know, told these guys that these championships aren't won the day of the championship. It's a whole lot of work uh, leading up to it when no one's looking. And obviously, the player you have here before us here to start, Coach, tell us what he brings to the table and how he helped bring this first state championship to Norman North. Well, Layton's, uh he's progressed a lot over the year. He continued to believe in, in what we were doing in practice and uh, – He's put in the time. Uh, he was always out there before me. I'd show up to get to practice, and him and Jake and Josh were always the first ones out there, and they'd already gone through some uh, some warm-ups and practice. So they clearly worked their tail off and uh, believed in what they were doing and finally got to reap the rewards of it. Well, Leighton, obviously the back nine was filled with a bunch of ups and downs. You guys started the back nine a little bit behind – Made a run early on the back nine, got ahead. I think you entered the last hole four shots up. Is that right, Coach? Or I wish I could tell you. but It was let, three or four. You yeah. know, I was scoreboard watching because I wasn't out there advising players, but uh, I was walking around with Mac Moore. But uh, 
Tell me the ups and downs of it. I, did you know you were ahead when you got to 18? Did you not know? Well, uh, we didn't look at the scoreboard a single time. The entire, the entire tournament, we didn't look at it. So we knew it wasn't going to change how we played. We knew it wasn't going to change any shots. So just we yeah. just played our game. Yeah, we kept phones in, in the pocket or in the bag and really didn't worry about where we were. We, you know, we've kind of been preaching all year, you know, just hit the shots and we'll go in and we'll add them all up and see, see kind of where the, where the scores fall. Yeah, I think that sometimes that's a great philosophy. You get into scoreboard watching and you start changing the way you're going to play a hole or what type of shots you're going to hit. Uh, obviously, 17 is a challenging tee shot there. Um, you know it's got to be a tight race at that point. Walk me through how you how you played 17 and then what was your, your thought process playing 18 both in the last hole of the, of the uh, third round, and then what was your approach in the playoff? And do you always play 18 the same? Well, that entire day I've been really struggling with the driver. I've been struggling with some blocks, and so I knew on 17 the pin was back right, so I had to keep it left to give myself an angle. And so the most important part of that tee shot was just really committing, even though I'd been missing it right, really committing to trying to get through it and keep it left, and I did a good job of that on 17. Yeah, and that, by, was a, that was a huge one. By far his best tee shot of the day. I mean, it was downwind and covered the bunkers, got a huge bounce. I think he had 50 yards to that back right pin. It was, it was a great tee shot. So you hit driver then? I did. Yeah, that you know, that's a, that's a scary tee shot because all those bunkers, especially the new bunker on the right that they put in a couple years ago, can really come into play. And if you get on that right side, you really can't get to that pin at all. Yep. Let it, you know, you're just hoping to hit it in the middle of the green and two putt from 40 feet. What What was your thought process on 18 when you came through the first time at the end of the third round? Did you Did you go for it? Did you lay up? Did you, what was your tee ball? Walk us through that. Well, it was playing downwind, so it was going to be very reachable. But again, there's that bunker on the right, and if you go over that, there's native grass. And with those rights I was having, I was a little scared of that, but. I just teed up on the right, aimed down the left, and just took driver. And I knew that I could keep it left if I just really committed to it. And so I committed to that shot, hit a pretty good ball. And the first round, the first round of the day, I was behind a tree on the right. So that really didn't even give me a chance to go for the green. So that's how I knew. It was an easy decision just to lay up there. Yeah, that is, you know, you hit on something there, Leighton, that I think a lot of people listening uh, can uh, really take to heart is committing to a shot. And I've heard that theme twice already from both you and Coach, is getting our guys just to commit to a shot and commit to how they're going to play the hole. And I think that pays off. So let's let's fast forward a little bit. We go in, we add them up. We think we that Norman North is one by one. And then we find out there was a scoring error and we act, actually it's going to be a playoff. What was going through your mind? Tell us what Coach told you guys as y'all were huddled up on that putting green um, before you went out there. Yep. He told us the job's not done. We still got more work. It's not over yet. So he just got us together and told us, I mean, this is ours to take. Yeah, pretty much. I, I told him I, I thought it was their time and uh, they had a, a unique chance to do something none of us that played at North have ever done before, and this is your time. It's your time to go earn it. Uh, may have gotten a little emotional, had trouble getting those words out, and had to quickly walk <laughs> away before I got laughed at. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all right to be emotional. I'm sitting here looking at that trophy, and I'm really envious because I got to play in that tournament three times as a as a high school athlete, and our PC North guys couldn't get it done. And so it is, it, it's a really hard thing to do. And I know you guys have the added pressure of being 
probably the the favorite coming in, even though Edmund Norse won 14 of the last 16. Tell me, I don't think it could have set much better than this. Tell me your thoughts on to become the champion, you got to beat the champion. What 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 do you what was your thoughts on that, Layton? Well, I don't think we ever really saw ourselves as favorites. I mean, until Edmund North loses, I mean, they're still always the favorites. So, I mean, we just knew that we had a job to do, and that's all we were focused on. We were just focused on hitting one shot at a time and doing our job. Yeah, we didn't really talk about us ourselves being the favorites. Uh, kind of our mantra this whole year is, you know, it, when we won, we'd get back in the van and say, all right, we're going to celebrate this, but tomorrow morning we're zero for zero. We've got more work to do. There's more in front of us. Like, this win, you know, is great. We've achieved something, but it doesn't matter starting tomorrow morning. we got to get back after it. And they all bought in, and I think it paid off. I mean, it kept us focused, kind of kept us moving forward and not complacent. And I agree with Leighton. Uh, you know, even though we had a bunch of, su- bunch of success this year, uh, winning seven of nine or six of eight tournaments before state, that until someone does beat Edmund North, uh, they're going to be the perennial favorite, and you got to go out and take it from them. Maybe, you know, going in, you, you don't feel like the favorite, Leighton, but because of the way, you know, some of the things your coach was just talking about there, the tournaments that you won, and you do wipe the slate after each tournament, but knowing that you and this team had won the way that you had won this season and that this event was being played at Jimmy Austin, somewhere you're very, very familiar with, how much confidence, if not the favorite, for you in this group, how much confidence did you and your teammates have that, okay, we can make a serious run at this thing, though? Yep. I mean, we were very confident. It just felt like it was going to set up from the beginning of the year because we had some continuity from last year to this year, and it was going to be played at our home course. So, I mean, throughout the year, it just it just kind of felt like it was meant to be, and we were really confident going into it. We were confident that we could get it done, and it turned out that we did. So that moment when – when you capture the playoff, you're the state champions. Take us through what was that moment like for, for both of you. Leighton, let's start with you and then to Coach. What was the, the moment like, and uh, how special was that for you? Well, we were behind 18 green watching our teammates come in, and we just saw someone hit the green from about 170 out and then two more throw darts. And after that, I was like, yep, I think it's going to happen. And I was just so proud of my teammates for, you know, clutching up like they did. I was just a really proud teammate. Yeah, those, those shots that, well, Leighton's putt started it off, uh, that downhill semi-slider, bearing that center cup, and then watching Mac and Jake throw darts, almost almost Kobe in them, uh, was pretty cool. And that, man, there was a lot of nerves watching all the people putt. You know, Edmund North makes one more putt, and it's a little different different ball game, but their, their putt's just missing, and then... Jake making his, and then Mac making it right on top of that. We kind of we knew at that point we had it, uh, and then kind of once the green cleared and we had our moment to kind of huddle up, it it all started kind of sinking in. It it became very real at that point. Well, I tell you, you, you hit the nail on the head, coach. As I was sitting there on or behind that green watching Leighton hit that putt, I'm thinking that putt's really fast. It's a little downhill. And, you know, we've had that from playing out there a bunch. And the difference between Leighton and the Edmund North golfer, who had almost the exact same putt, Leighton read it correctly, hit his line, buried it. It was a really tough putt. I mean, that thing can get away from you, right, Leighton? Yep. And he buried it, and it really set the tone early, I thought, for, hey, we're coming to get this. And 
I, I thought that, I don't know what strategy you had and who you put to go out first, but I love the fact that you put Leighton out and he set the tone and buried that thing and then it gave, I think, a lot of the other guys coming in in that back group the confidence that, hey, we're ahead. We're ahead right now. Yeah, yeah it, the, the format allowed, uh, for some reason, I got a pick out of the hat first and I drew the number one, so I chose to send Max and Leighton out, get our just two guys out first and then we'll bring it home with three that way if they happen to make two birdies we can you know relay that to the three guys coming in they can play more aggressive if they needed to um, there wasn't really a whole lot of strategy per se it was just a little more you know want to be able to react if we need to um, but that putt he hit was was so clutch it was perfect speed just absolutely beautiful well and it ended up the out of the 10 golfers nine actually laid up and max was the only one that went for the green and i think he found the the front green side left bunker there and I, it, i'm sure that's a product of the drives where people were blocked or or didn't hit the type of drive I, that they necessarily wanted i think Bo from edmund north also went for it and he hit it in the front right bunker so i think you know, You're correct. Yeah. That's correct. And yeah. neither one got up and down from those bunkers. So apparently that whole setup better for everyone hitting uh, scoring wedges in on well, Tuesday. It, you know, it did definitely in the playoffs as you as you saw it play out. In the first run through at the end of the final round, you had three Edmund North kids go for the green, and one of them darn near made an albatross. He hit it to an inch. Um, and yeah. so I, I, I expected them to be all be firing at the green after having that much confidence, but I'm, I'm sure it's a product of where their drive set them up where it just wasn't in their best interest to do that. Yeah, I think we need to give kudos to Edmund North because the way they finished and you know put us in a spot to have to react in a playoff, was that was clutch by them. That was pretty impressive the way they closed that out. Yeah, I think giving them a lot of props, you know, they uh, – to me, as a fan, I feel like it's the football version of knocking off Alabama. You know, Edmund North won 14 of 16. Yeah. I mean, think about that. As competitive as high school golf is, and Leighton, you know this, every single one of these these AJGA-type tournaments or, or Oklahoma-type tournaments, it's super competitive. So, you know, walk us through how amazing that, what you think of their being able to win 14 of 16. And, hey, can we get on a run? Yeah, I mean, winning one is so hard. It's hard to think about winning 14 out of 16, <laughs> and that's just incredible. That's a crazy stat. Yeah. It's a crazy stat. So, I mean, they've obviously got their program running, but hopefully this will be the kickstart to ours, and we've been going in the right direction for my career, where we started and where we are now. I mean, it's been a huge difference, so I think we're going to keep going in that direction. Leighton, has it started to sink in yet that you, you and this team are, in fact, the state champions? What – what does it mean when you hear you're a part of the, the first state championship team at Norman North? Yeah, it, it took a couple of days to sink in, I'll be honest. I mean, that, that first day was a blur after, but, I mean, it means everything to bring a championship to, and not just Norman North, to the town of Norman. I mean, to bring one home, and it's, it's just huge. Yeah. Coach, co- similar for you, for this group, seeing them, I mean, I mean, obviously it's starting to sink in, right? But yeah. what, what does it mean to get to be a part of this this first uh, it's actually very difficult to describe the amount of feelings that I've had um, for these guys well all season but after the last couple of days just the amount of pride um, and s- them getting to reap the rewards of all their hard work it, it's been very special to, you know as a coach you know not a person out there hitting the shot but being able to help them and watch them uh, go get it done it's I, I'm not going to lie, I've teared up three or four times, not in public, but 
It's it's, it's okay if you tear up in yeah. public. No big deal with that. Yeah. It's an emotional emotional thing. Yeah, it's it's been very emotional. Uh, you know, Coach Calf may get on here and talk about it, but um, the way Jinx and Edmund North have kind of run golf in this state for twenty plus years, the the way these guys kind of I guess got the monkey off the back, exercised some demons of those guys just dominating us. It, it was really cool. Coach, while we have you here, just one more for me. What did it mean to you and for Norman to get to have this event at Jimmy Austin? I know that there was some orchestration that had to happen to make that possible, but, I mean, you win a, you and your team win this state championship, but to have it at Jimmy Austin was pretty amazing too. Well, first, without Coach Greg Gross of Norman High, this really isn't possible. Um, he kind of – he and Coach Gorsney, Coach before me at North – kind of started spearheading this before uh, Gorsney left for Arkansas State. And, um, you know, Coach Gross picked up the ball and continued running with it. His expertise with college events and his connections across the country. And, um, you know, honestly, without him, it, this wouldn't have happened. So I'd like to give him a big shout-out and thanks for all he did. He made he truly made it possible. Well, congratulations to you both, Layton. Way to go, man. Congratulations, state champion. That lasts forever, my friend, Coach uh, Rayner. Appreciate it. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll keep it rolling here. We have uh, Coach Calf joining us next and, and more players as well. It is the Gimme Zone. It's a special edition, baby. The T-Wolves, they're the champs, and we're talking to them all morning long right here. It's the Gimme Zone on the wrap. No time for losers. No losers in here, Josh. Nope. I detect no losers here on the Gimme Zone. The champs are with us. We roll on here. Gimme Zone on a Saturday celebrating Norman North capturing their first state championship. We've got Coach Mike Kaffenberger with us, Josh Stewart, Mac Moore as well, a couple of the state champion golfers. Coach, let's let's start with you. Uh, Coach Kaff hanging out in here. Coach, how uh, – how did you guys get this thing done? I mean, obviously, it goes into a playoff, and you can you can grab that mic and bring it over to yourself a little bit if you want. How did uh, how did you and how did this team get this thing done? Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> uh, we we'd sat back and just watched them do this all year. Um, they stayed focused. They stayed dedicated. They put the hours in when no one was looking, um, and we just told them. Uh, we believe in you. We know what you're capable of doing. And they kept their head down. They pressed all year long. And uh, we kind of battled some demons during the, the tournament. Um, first day was definitely not our best stuff. Um, I believe after the first day we were down 12 strokes on the field. Well, I, no, it was five behind the, the leader. Five behind Pardon the leader, me. yeah. yeah. We were five behind the, the leader. It felt like 12, though. It, it did. It did, especially when you've seen these these guys and what they did all, all year. Um, but we knew that five strokes was not enough for the field to, to – to, I mean, we, we knew what, what our, our game was. So um, one through five, uh, you know, consisted of two seniors, two sophomores, and a junior. Um, and it didn't phase them. It didn't it – didn't, they didn't even think about it. They just went to work. Uh, kept their eyes off the, the leaderboard, which I'm pretty proud of, and just shot after shot did what they had to do. Um, and we've always told them all year, 
that so long as you keep your head down, you worry about the next shop, you stay in that moment, there's not a team in the state that can touch you. And they believe that, and we believe that, and that's what got it done. So, well, well, Josh, let's start with you. Obviously, massive, massive achievement to get this done. You've played in a lot of high-level golf tournaments. Do those prepare you for this moment so that the pressure just doesn't overtake one once you've been in a lot of high-level golf tournaments as a junior before? Yeah, especially um, playing a lot of high school high-level tournaments like that. You kind of just you sort of get used to the nerves, and at any tournament you're gonna have some something pumping on the first tee, you know. But if you just do keep, if you have played a bunch before, it kind of just you're just kind of playing golf at that point, and you kind of get relaxed and just focused on whatever you're doing. I'm I'm getting notes from Coach Rayner here. You know, early kind of the message was, hey, you you can't. You can't win on day one, but you can certainly lose it on day one. And then in that back five, hey, you, you're not out of this. You haven't lost this thing yet. So for both both of you guys, Josh and Mac, how much did that m- messaging from Coach from the start mean and then, you know, late mean? And, uh, Mac, if you want to jump in here first, what did it mean, uh, Coach, passing those messages along to you in terms of winning this championship? I mean, he's right. Like, we were only five back, and we could easily win the second day. But we could have lost the first if, I mean, some teams did. They were way back, and they had no chance. Yeah, guys, you know, I think your coaching staff gave you guys great guidance. And Mac, in particular, I walked with you the last day. You were a little bit frustrated the way you were playing on the back nine. And as a guy that's known you for, oh, since you're probably in kindergarten, it gave me such a thrill to see you hit that shot in the playoff. And I don't know if you realize how close to that doggone thing going in. It one-hopped, missed the left of the hole by an inch, bounced past it, spun back, and lips out on the right side. I mean, yeah. we're, how, how much pressure were you feeling when you were standing over that wedge? A lot. Like, I was shaking, basically. What, what do you guys do? What Josh, what do you guys do when you're feeling really, really nervous? Do you have, like, a deep breath routine? Do you, I mean, what is it that you do in particular to kind of calm yourself down in a situation like that? I mean, as a good golfer, you kind of have to have, like, a pre-shot routine. You just do it, you know, before pretty much every shot. And sometimes it can be really detailed, and I just, like, grinding that in every shot that way, you know, no matter what shot it is. I've done this 100 times in the practice range. It doesn't matter if there's people watching or whatever. It's still the same shot. The wherewithal of this team to feel like you know you're surging from behind you've got the lead okay maybe we've won this thing I know you weren't scoreboard watching but maybe even just the gallery alone gives you an indication of kind of how things are playing out and then you find out okay no we job's not done we have to go win this in a playoff take me through both of you guys Josh what was your reaction to Having to go win it in a playoff, and then, I mean, what were sort of the internal conversations among your teammates? Uh, as we were kind of coming down the stretch on the, the last nine holes, you can kind of tell people people finished early because we, we were like the last group, so a lot of teams finished early, and they immediately came to come watch. Uh, I was in the – there were two groups behind me, and people were passing me to go watch the leading two groups. So I knew it was kind of getting close, and I didn't look at the scoreboard, thankfully. I probably would have gotten a little bit more nervous if I did. But I could tell it was getting kind of tense. 
And I'm a huge, you know, job's not finished type of guy. I love to crack down, and I love playoff situations. I love competing. And I don't know, I just kind of liked it. It was it was big. And then to see I didn't I didn't I definitely didn't play my best. And in the playoff, it was really good to see, you know, Leighton Kyle and Mac Moore step up and make birdies. It was, it was a good thing to watch. Mac, similar for you. I mean, what was your reaction to going into the playoff and then delivering in the playoff? I was excited because uh, – I, I like that competition, and uh, I I actually birdied the last hole, and I didn't play that great during the the tournament, so it felt good to help my team out there. And yeah, I knew it, it was going to be close, and I thought we won at first because they had a score wrong, and then I was excited because we had a playoff. Well, guys, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but you know the the old saying is golf is a game of inches, right? Mm -hmm. the, the Edmund North guy on the last hole in the regulation power lipped out a two and a half footer. I mean that would have been uh, would have been rough to think that you're going into playoff and then find out you had a scoring error and you lost by one. So uh, that would have been obviously difficult. Tell us, as all the listeners out there, did you guys feel like early in the year this was an attainable goal? Start with you, Mac. Uh, I thought so because. Uh, we had a strong team compared to everyone else, and we are like, I feel like we're the most like mentally prepared. Like, we put in the hours, and I feel like we can beat them. Josh, how about you? Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was definitely doable from the straight out the gun. I mean, we went to practice, we got we worked hard, and a lot of the other teams they had strong players, but I feel like we had the most consistency out of everyone, and. Uh, the coaching staff really helped with that. You know, we did a lot of pressure drills, tons of pressure drills, and I think coming down, you know, Leighton, Mac, and Jake, they all made their putts for birdies. I feel like those pressure drills really definitely helped in that situation. They weren't, they weren't feeling it too much. They just kind of focused on, on their, their stroke. And they made the putt. Well, what does it mean to you both, state champion Josh? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to have won it with this team? It means a lot. We, we had a pretty good year this year. And it was all the trips I'm definitely going to remember. It wasn't even necessarily the winning part that was great about it. I just loved hanging out with all of everyone, you know, the hotel rooms, messing around. I just thought it was a great experience. And being able to win is just kind of something to add on to that. Mac, similar question to what I asked Leighton earlier. To be a part of the first state championship winning team for Norman North, I mean, what does that mean to you? Has it sunk in yet? And what was that celebration like with your teammates? It feels great. Like, I'll definitely remember this for the rest of my life. And right after, we went to the ranch, and, like, we have, uh, like, I'm going to remember this, Our, my teammates and the experience, yeah. Well, Mac, you as a sophomore, you've got two more cracks at this potentially. Does this, does this kind of fuel you to drive harder for the next two years to say, okay, you know, I was the sophomore on the group this year, one of the two sophomores. Next year, I got to step up and be a, a much bigger leader, and maybe be the captain of this team. Yeah, it does. Me and Josh, like, we have potential to be good in the next two years, and we can win some tournaments. We both have a lot to improve on, though. One more for for Coach Calf before we get everybody uh, on the way, and thank you guys so much for joining us, Coach. Uh, similar to what I just asked a couple of your players right here, a couple of your golfers. What does this mean to you? I mean, you get to be around this group every single day, and, uh, you know, there's obviously so many trips and just a time commitment involved. So, I mean, how 
cool was all of this and how special was it for you? Uh, well, th- the fact that we're even involved and and, and uh, Coach Rayner has even allowed me to be a part of this program uh, is it's truly an honor. It's uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be back with this program. Uh, Rayner and I were the first Norman North golf team. We were on it together. Um, I graduated one year ahead of him. Um, so, you know, we were the beginning of Norman North golf and to see it with this special group come full circle and us also be on the other side of that, um, was special and and to do it with kids that are just exemplary. I mean, it's, it's insane how, how mature these two sophomores are. Um, it's, it's crazy how talented and put together our seniors are. I'm going to miss Jake Hopper. I'm going to miss uh, Leighton Kyle and Luke Katachuk immensely. They have been a fantastic part of this program, and I really hope they stay in touch and stick around uh, because they provided a lot of good good uh, mentorship, um, and it allows our sophomores coming up, you know, t- to kind of fill that that void that they've created. And and I mean, this we're just starting. We 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 said the second we were done with that that dinner at the ranch that that Mac noted, um, enjoy the, the night. And then now tomorrow, 2023, that's what we're, we're locked in on. Well, coach, you hit, you hit on something with these kids that, that I can echo. I mean, not only are they great golfers, but they're outstanding young men off the course as well. And that's a big credit to them and to their parents. And as you all that play golf well know, golf is not a cheap sport and takes a lot of time. And I'm sure there's been a lot of shuttling from uh, the parents to get these young men before they were able to drive to their golf tournaments. And I'll tell you what, big shout out to the parents and big thanks to the coaches. I mean, I think it's outstanding that we have two former Norman North players and three with JR um, as coaching and coming back to give back to the program that they were a part of. That's just outstanding. It is. It's great to see you guys have this accomplishment and get to win this. And to be full circle is is pretty crazy, I'm sure, too, Coach. So it uh, it is awesome. Congratulations to all of you. Josh, Mack, Coach, uh, Coach Calf, thank you guys so much for taking a little time out for us. And uh, – Hey, that's the beauty of sports, right? Like you said, now we got to try and focus on going and winning this thing again in 2023. The celebration's over, right? It's, 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 you get it's out all of here. done, yeah. No, it, it, enjoy it, guys. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys again soon, but congratulations. State champions, amazing. Great job, guys. Thank you to, uh, obviously, both Josh and Matt, to Coach Calf, and then, obviously, to head coach Ryan Rayner and Leighton Kyle for joining us this hour norman north the state champions amazing the uh boys 6a state champions we'll take a timeout. come back wrap up hour number one it is the gimme zone right here on the ref the territory golf and country club bringing us the gimme zone right here on the ref just a couple of minutes before the top of the hour and oh by the way little housekeeping matt reynolds will be joining us midway through next hour about 11 30 or so and we've got all sorts of pga championship talk coming your way but just to kind of put a can you know nice organized bow tie on norman north winning the state championship i mean 
What a great group of kids. Uh, obviously, getting to talk to Leighton, Josh, and Mac this morning was great. Uh, happy for Coach Rayner. Happy for Coach Calf. I mean, just a great group. And when you think about Coach Calf and Coach Rayner being a part of the beginning of the Norman North Golf Program as players and then coming back, and now all of a sudden they coach this group to their first state championship. I mean, that's storybook in it in it and of itself in its own right. So just really happy for them, and, man, wasn't that fun? Yeah, it really is a storybook in it. Let's not leave out Coach J.R. Hurley as well, a, a uh, Norman North golfer himself and an outstanding player. I'll tell you what, though, these kids are – outstanding young men, outstanding golfers, but they have the luxury of being given advice and coaching from three really good golfers that understand the game, and I think that's really important. Sometimes out there in sports like golf, you get assigned a football coach that knows just a little bit about golf or a coach of another sport that doesn't know a lot about golf, but you've got three coaches that are actually golfers today, continue to play. Ryan plays at a highly competitive level nationally at you know, transmiss type events. And so having guys that understand how to get it done and how to coach a kid through pressure situations, is you just can't put a price on that, Josh. No, you can't. The experience factor, they've got a great coaching staff. They, they, they do, and, and they have a coaching staff that has been through some of these battles in their own rights, and obviously now they are state champions. To win it in a playoff, I mean, come on, it – Probably should have asked asked the guys this question. Come on, guys. It just makes it a little bit sweeter, right? I mean, it would have been great to win it either way, but then to get pushed up against the wall a little bit and it's like, okay, you got to go go win it again, it's kind of amazing. And, Josh, not just a playoff. It's a playoff against a team that has won 14. A juggernaut. Of the last 16. Think about that. What sport has somebody won 14 of the last 16 in in 6A? None. Yeah, Edmund North in golf, and <laughs> that's it. And they, they toppled him. That's it for hour number one. Phil Mickelson, he's not playing next here on the Gimme Zone. Welcome back, hour number two. So happy to have all of you fine folks alongside listening along with us, texting in along with us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. That's right, it is the Gimme Zone Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard. Matt Riddle's here. Bottom half of this hour will be alongside as well. As always, brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems as well. Check them out online, EliteRoofOK.com. The number to call in OKC, 405-361-3094 or in Tulsa, 918-984-5475. All right, well, let's dive right in. We touched on it a little bit off the top. Phil Mickelson not playing in the PGA Championship. The self-imposed exile, it continues, at least until that first event, I think, of the Live Golf League. Here was the here was the quote that got sent out on the PGA Championship's social media. This is from their Twitter account. Quote, we have just been informed that Phil Mickelson has withdrawn from the PGA Championship. Phil is the defending champion and currently eligible currently eligible to be a PGA life member, and we would have welcomed him to participate. We wish Phil and Amy the very best and look forward to his return to golf. You know, I've been pretty pro-Phil Mickelson in a lot of this, 
in terms of the Phil, uh, the, the Phil Golf League. It is the Phil Golf League. The Live Golf League, and I thought Alan Shipnuck did Phil Mickelson dirty with the way that he you know, has put together this unauthorized biography. Not that there's anything wrong with putting together an unauthorized biography. That We see that all the time with famous sports figures, but I thought – you know, to have the conversation that he had with him and, okay, maybe it's an off-the-record conversation and then, boom, to go public with the comments that he went public with, talking about Shipnuck, he knew how that was going to play out. And it's all been driven to try and have sales on this book. I just, you know, to me it rubbed me the wrong, the wrong way. I haven't liked that part of it. But I don't like that Phil Mickelson's not playing in the PGA Championship. If there was some quiet ban with the PGA Tour to not let him play in the Masters, okay, fine. But at some point, the Canaries are singing, and you have to come face the music, and you have to do it on a major championship setting. And as the defending champion, what statement are you making by not playing in this event? Other than, you know, sure, I'm I'm a little bit greedy. I'm going to defend our own here in Oklahoma, and there's – you know, Brian, there'd be plenty of people that would text right in or call right in and say, you know what? Good riddance. We don't want you in Tulsa. We don't want you at Southern Hills. But, you know, to me, I just think, man, this sucks. The defending champion's not going to come play in the event when he's perfectly fine and healthy and able to come do so. And really, it's because he doesn't want to have to answer some tough questions. I just think that part of it stinks. Well, Josh, just got a text from Coach Rainer. He says, you know, is there more to this story? Yes, there is. And I think if I read correctly, doesn't the book drop on Tuesday? Yeah, I, well, I think absolutely it does. Yeah, that's what I read. And so clearly there's more to the story. I don't see Phil running from that. But what I do see is this, in my opinion, my own opinion with no sources, is that once the commissioner came out this week and said very adamantly, we are not releasing these guys to go play in the live golf events. I think this is Phil's way of saying, okay, fine. Here's how I'm going to retaliate. And I don't know about you, Josh. We talked about this off the air, but I think there's lawsuits to be coming, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. We're just we're tip of the iceberg status still with everything going on with the live golf league. I was reading some you know, different – Different stories out there about Phil Mickelson, and it kind of led me to some stuff on Greg Norman. And, you know, I probably I should have thought of this before, Brian, but it just hadn't really occurred to me. I, You know, I think Greg Norman's done an okay job with his, his work trying to be the front man for the Live Golf League. But maybe he hasn't been the right front man for the Live Golf League. That'll be a good Matt Reynolds question. But what do you think about that? I, I was Rex Hoggard of the Golf Channel. I'll pull up in – I don't have his – I thought I linked it here in some of my show notes. But he had some very interesting things to write about Greg Norman and some of the comments and missteps that he feels that Greg Norman has made along the way. Do you think Greg Norman has been the right guy for the Live Golf League? I mean – it, it had never occurred to me that he had he was the wrong guy for the Live Golf League, but maybe he was. Yeah, I don't know if he's the right or wrong guy, Josh. I think 
Anytime another league comes in and it's viewed as an infringement upon some franchise that's already existing and being very profitable, now it's very profitable for charity as well, that I do think there's going to be some pushback. And I was really hopeful, and I think we talked about this in a previous show, Josh. I was really hopeful they could, you know, the leaders of such, which is probably Greg Norman and Phil, could sit down with the commissioner and they could come out to an understanding where it would be workable for both sides. But it sounds like right now they're both kind of drawing a line in the sand and saying, I dare you to cross it. And I think that I wouldn't be shocked at all if Greg and Phil didn't talk and say, hey, Phil, wouldn't be a bad idea if you went ahead and withdrew just to go ahead and send out the first uh, flare. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some not-so-subliminal messaging involved in not playing and defending the title at this PGA Championship. Here's uh, what Rex Hoggard wrote about Greg Norman. And bear with me, I'm just going to read these three paragraphs. The Australian seems more interested in avenging old beasts old beefs with the tour over his world tour concept than finding some sort of middle ground in many of his moves range from the petty holding the first live golf invitational series event essentially next door to the dp world tour headquarters to the offensively disconnected and insensitive in an interview with the times last week norman was asked about the saudi murder of this journalist we've all made mistakes this was Norman's response, quote, we've all made mistakes and you just want to learn from those mistakes and how you can correct them going forward, end quote. Norman was also asked about the kingdom's horrendous record on gay rights, quote, I'm not sure whether I have any gay friends, to be honest with you, end quote. And then the final line here from Hoggard was this, there are no good answers to either question, but there's bad answers, just like there's bad CEOs and commissioners. Well, Josh, I do think there's some some pettiness going on there, and and you I, you can see, you know, based on where the events were held and the timing of them, that they're going to be is that uh, there is some pettiness in that, and again, I really think let's put old bygones aside and sit down and work this out. Find a middle ground. For the betterment of all golf fans. And really, that's what it's about, is for the betterment of these players to maximize their income earning potential and their income earning years, right? Because golf, it's finite because of your body. You see it. People break down quite a bit. And sit down and say, okay, let's find some common ground. Let's all give a little bit. I do think according to that article, and I agree with it, I do think Greg Norman does hold some some previous grudges. And I wish he would get past that. He's he's too big an icon in the in the history of golf. Sometimes, albeit for the wrong reasons, choking. But yes, the Masters um, is calling. Yes, I appreciated that though because I liked the winner that year. And uh, you know, but let's just face it: he's an icon. As long as he's alive, he's going to be an icon because he was so good for so long. I really wish he would step back and. And I know it's give and take. The, the truth is always somewhere in the middle, correct? It's never one side or the sure. other. you know. And so I wish they would get together and figure this out because I don't think it does anything but hurt the game of golf as long as this public spat goes on. What are your thoughts on that, Josh? I agree. I just I think that there is a common ground to be, to be found. And actually, I think it can be beneficial to the PGA Tour if it's done right. There's, Brian, there's nothing wrong with a sport – staying in the spotlight a little bit longer. The way they've got some of this set up is to not really be super competitive 
with the PGA Tour in terms of how their schedule operates. And anytime, look, I, I get a little bit of the, the territorial thing from the PGA Tour that look what we've built and we can't have our biggest stars missing XYZ events. Okay, that part of it makes total sense to me. So then sit down, get in a room, and find out what a schedule could look like that wouldn't step on some of that territory for you to where some of the bigger stars could go be a part of this Live Golf League and everybody wins because the more publicity you get is good publicity. Dustin Johnson playing more events is good for the game of golf. Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, whichever star you want to throw out there, more storylines is not bad for the PGA Tour. It's good for the PGA Tour if it can be orchestrated the right way. Just the, those two quotes there. I mean, they're talking about that journalist that got murdered. Brian, I don't know if I could think of two worse responses that Greg Norman could have had. I mean, just think about this. The murder of this journalist, and Greg Norman's response was, quote, we've all made mistakes, and you just want to learn from those mistakes, end quote. Well, the, Josh, Josh the, at the very least, that was completely insensitive. Now, unfortunately, our political leaders overlook a lot of this stuff that sure. goes on in other countries that, that they're doing business with as well. And so, to some degree, they have already set the uh, barometer on that. But for Greg to make those comments, I mean... It just makes him look dumb, it really. It makes him look really, really bad in my estimation. Yeah, <laughs> this one, I mean kind of laughing on this because in the school of public public relations this would be you know an f plus asking about the the track record on gay rights in saudi i'm not sure i just again one final time i'm not sure whether i even have any gay friends to be honest with you end quote which hey that's an honest response but probably probably not the best i you know something else we can talk about next that i thought was interesting is ESPN and CBS, they've got the coverage for, uh, obviously, this PGA Championship from Southern Hills. What will that look like in terms of will they, won't they focus a little bit on Phil Mickelson, who's obviously not playing in the event, but you got to talk about it, right? I'm not saying you spend hour upon hour talking about Phil Mickelson because, again, it, it does drive me a little bit crazy when not not just golf broadcasts, but especially golf broadcasts where you've got someone in Tiger Woods a lot of people will point to when he's not playing well. I don't need to see somebody that's 15 shots behind. I like to follow the leaders on the course. That's sort of how I take in golf tournaments or want to. So there's a part of me that understands, okay, I don't need eight hours of coverage talking about Phil Mickelson, but you also can't totally ignore it in my mind either. I mean, it's it's the biggest story in golf outside of who's going to win next week at the PGA Championship. So we'll kick that around when we come back. We'll hear from you as well on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We got solid little bit less than an hour left here on the Gimme Zone, so still time for you to chime in. 405-651-3439. That is the text line. The uh, number to call in, hey, we'll take your phone call, 405 405- 9,000 on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. Back after this, it's the Gimme Zone. Back with you, Gimme Zone here on The Rev. Next week, next week we are heading out east. The PGA Championship from Southern Hills. I can't wait. This is going to be the, just, you know, greedily for myself, 
It's going to be the first major championship I've ever been to, Brian. I'm fired up for this. Phil Mickelson, you know what? I don't care if you're there. It doesn't matter to me. I'd, I'd like for him to be there just to see that circus. But it's going to be awesome either way. And the course, I'm sure, is it's going to be immaculate. It's going to be, you know, run as a championship, a major championship course. So I can't wait to just be a part of that on Saturday and Sunday. I'm going out there. So it's going to be cool. Brian, are you are you going out to Southern Hills? Yes, I'm definitely going to be out there. We'll be out there in a media capacity. Thank you all for granting our media requests. And that's awesome. And then Matt, guess what? Matt's going to be there all week giving reports sponsored by Elite Roofing Systems. And we got to say thank you. They have uh, stepped up to the plate, and they're a big partner of ours for all of our PGA Championship coverage, which you're going to be getting a lot of that next week and uh, probably a little bit afterwards, too, just reacting to it. But visit Elite Elite Roofing Systems online, EliteRoofOK.com. Number to call in OKC, 405-361-3094. Out in Tulsa, 918-984-5475. So the will-they-won't-they that I was teasing before we hopped to our last break, we know now he will not, Phil Mickelson, be playing in this PGA Championship. And on the conference call, I don't know who asked this, but – ESPN and CBS, again, they've got the television coverage for this 2022 PGA Championship. And basically, without hearing the audio to the question, they asked, you know, how how do you game plan if Phil Mickelson does play or if he doesn't play the amount of time you're going to devote to, obviously, everything going on with Phil Mickelson from the comments that Shipnuck published about what he said about uh there's some scary you know whaters <laughs> out in Saudi Arabia to everything going on with him in the live golf league to the gambling losses that Phil Mickelson has had which you know we knew that he liked to gamble but to the tune of 40 million dollars that's going to be a jarring figure for a lot of people and that might be as you mentioned earlier Brian that might be just the we're getting started on some of the surprises with Phil Mickelson and what's going to come out in this biography that Shipnuck is releasing next week. So for all of that, there's some tasty nuggets to dive into from a broadcasting perspective. Are they going to touch on it? Here's what Scott Van Pelt said in their conference call. He said, quote, but Phil's situation is a storyline if he plays, and he will have provided us with the context with a press conference at some point prior to, which, okay, we're not getting that press conference. Van Pelt continued, if he doesn't play, then I don't know how much conversation there will be other than he's not playing. He continues to be away from the game, and certainly that's something that would, I'm sure, would be mentioned over the course of time, but I think the golf would be the central storyline of our coverage because that's what we're there to cover is the 2022 PGA Championship. So it's a fascinating, gigantic question mark as we speak right now on Thursday a does he play and b what does he have to say about whatever questions folks would have for him end quote okay again a b c he's not playing there's no questions that he will be answering at least this week how do you feel about that from Scott Van Pelt basically giving us the indication we're not going to be spending a ton of time talking about Phil Mickelson on the broadcast side 
Well, Josh, I'm a huge fan of Scott Van Pelt. Always have been, back when he was on the Golf Channel to now on ESPN. I, I'm going to say part of that's fake news. I mean, if these nuggets that come out Tuesday are as juicy as we think they could be, that $40 million could be a, a bigger number. And I do think, it may not be, maybe not Scott Van Pelt himself, but I think a lot of the media are going to take some shots at Phil over this. And I think it's going to be, Phil will be a bigger part of the story than he should be. I do hope Scott is correct and that they will focus just on who is playing. But the fact that Phil is not in the field is a losing deal for the fans of golf. Think how many people bought a ticket in hopes that you could watch Phil follow up on his storybook ending last last year in this deal. Oldest major winner ever, by the way. And to see if he could actually defend. And now... He's not in the field and has been somewhat of a distraction. Does it say anything to you about where Phil Mickelson feels his game is at? Or is this strictly, (laughs) I'm not playing until we get over to the Live Golf League. I I sort of tend to think it's more of the latter, but maybe there is some of his golf games not really in a good spot right now, too. Josh, I agree with you. Phil's never ducked out because his golf game's not in a good spot. He's always been really good about showing up and playing. And to kind of digress a little bit on this Live Golf League and, and and the spat between the two and them, these headline star players have been taken off and not playing events whenever they want to for years and years and years and nobody makes a big deal of it it's it's kind of like the nba players sitting out for you know rest when they're not injured they're taking their their mental rest time because golf is grueling it's a grueling schedule but you know i honestly think that we've got to get a resolution of this quickly i know the old saying like you said any publicity is good publicity i don't think this is I, I think it hurts both sides, both Phil, Greg Norman, the Live Golf League, and, and it hurts the, the, the PGA Tour's image, which is largely untarnished throughout the history of time. Yeah, and bad news. <laughs> I don't see any resolution coming anytime super quick. I thought this was kind of neat. I was uh, reading just about the event and you know the setup for the PGA Championship coming up. This uh, Thursday, what I guess we could say a little bit before that from Southern Hills, just with the practice rounds and everything, but thousands of volunteers gather in Tulsa to assist with the PGA Championship. Listen to this, Brian. 3,000 volunteers have arrived in green country to help PGA staff pull off the 2022 PGA Championship next week. This is from Fox 23. They caught up with the volunteers Friday morning as they waited to be shuttled over to Southern Hills. Volunteers uh, remain in good spirits despite a lightning delay. But once on site, volunteers are spending the day picking up their uniforms and credentials. While it does cost money, I guess, to volunteer, just a little over $200, that cost includes shirts, jackets, hats, and water bottles. And all volunteers are also given tickets for food and drink all week. And when they're not working, which I'd be curious (laughs) to know what that work schedule looks like as a volunteer, they're allowed to watch the action. If you're allowed to watch a good portion of the action, not a bad deal, right? $200?
Oh, for sure. For sure. Not a bad deal. I mean, if you look at prices of uh, food and drink at these uh, different venues, it doesn't take long to, to knock back $200 worth, right? No, no. Especially if you're in a, in enjoying an adult cerveza when you're not working. No kidding. It would be uh, interesting to, I, I mean, I'm going to be very interested in the golf that's taking place, but I'd be curious to see kind of what the day of a volunteer entails if somebody could put that behind the scenes camera work together for me i will certainly watch it after the fact the golf is going to be front and center for me but i'd be curious what that looks like for the volunteers because we see the pga championship and we see the golfers and everything that is happening on the course but i mean three thousand volunteers that's kind of an amazing number that they have involved just to get this event going well josh here's the deal I will promise you we will get a day in the life of a volunteer on next week. I have one of our good buddies, shout out to Rolo at Belmar Golf Club, is one of those volunteers. And so we can get him on with a day in the life of a volunteer. I love it. You know, speaking of the course setup and everything, I just kicked over to the weather forecast for next week. It's going to be hot I up figured until it would. Sunday, which I is great. And guess what? Windy. We are talking about that. How great would it be for these tour players, as great as they are, to come play in Oklahoma winds? Because historically, when we've had majors, they've been in August, and it's August is not a windy month. But guess what? May is. Yes, and, it is. And if you look at that forecast, it holds true. Saturday night. Cold front coming through, wind switch direction, and gusty from the from another direction. Could I be love dicey. It. Love I it. love it. It's going to be great. They got to deal with a little bit of Oklahoma heat, plenty of Oklahoma wind. That's what we wanted. I I really just wanted the wind. I could have done without the heat. We could have had it 50 degrees out there and windy, and I would have been perfectly fine. But, hey, little Oklahoma heat, that's an element. Uh, we'll take a timeout. I, I see Matt Reynolds buzzing in as we speak. So let's take this break. Brought to us by Territory Golf and Country Club. It's the Gimme Zone back with you on the wrap. Gimme Zone, we're back with you. A couple more segments here on a, shall we, it's not a PGA Championship Eve, but in terms of our show, it's a PGA Championship Eve. We welcome in Matt Reynolds for the bottom half of this hour, taking us down the home stretch. And Matt, we were just talking about. We wanted some wind. We wanted some heat at this. Well, maybe not the heat. We definitely wanted the wind, though, at this PGA Championship. And just the early weather forecast, it looks like we're going to get some of that. But, hey, maybe you, the royal you out there, don't necessarily want to be tangling every day with the heat, with the wind. And you've got the perfect place, Matt, where folks can go and play some golf but not have to worry about all of those elements. And welcome to the show. Good morning, by the way. Good morning, gents. Uh, I do have that perfect place. It's Indoor 18. Check them out, Indoor18.com. They've got a great setup of three indoor golf bays. And I know a lot of times it's you know it's warm outside. You want to get outside. But I tell you what, with the wind that we've had here recently, there are literally some days where I think, yeah, that's just not for me. So I, I actually went in there twice this week. They take good care of you, and you're literally – you're golfing on the same stuff the pros are using out there at tournaments uh, with the uh, great, great setup that they have there with the TrackMan Golf Base. So they've got 120 courses if you want to play. The other thing of note, Josh, on Android 18, I want to make sure people understand is 
you don't have to play golf for four hours to get in 18 holes. You can get in 18 holes in 40 minutes at under 18. So give them a call, 405-432-GOLF, and check them out. Uh, speaking of the conditions this week, guys, though, I really do hope these tour guys have to face the wind we've been facing the last month and a half because if they have that, I'm sure that they're going to play better than you know the average Oklahoman uh, does, obviously, on most days. But, boy, there's going to be some guys that we all know will struggle with it because they're just not used to seeing that. Interesting stat, guys. Just heard it on the weather this morning. This is has been the windiest month in the history of Oklahoma thus far. Really? Ever? Yes, ever. That they've recorded, right, anyways? That they've recorded. Now, who knows how far back they go in recording those stats, but I bet it's 40 or 50 years at least. Right. Yeah, that's wild. Well, <laughs> that does not bode well for all of you golfers out there, baby. We are trending for it to be windy. And I guess, you know, the question then, Matt, is if – if wind is a big-time factor in this thing, it, it favors some of the, the low-flight guys at times or just players that are kind of used to some of those conditions. I'm not really going to be crazy about a Ricky Fowler in general just because the guy stunk for four years. He did play okay, though. He played pretty good at Wells Fargo last week. Somebody like Ricky Fowler, I mean, who, who else would come to mind as you know windy conditions you like? I think you've got to look at where guys have played. Scotty Scheffler, to me, he played in Texas a lot of his life, obviously, and the wind blows there, too, quite a bit. So I think give, a, give him a strong look. Cam Smith has already shown us that he plays well in the wind. I mean, look at what he did in the Players' Championship. So he's another guy that I would point out. And then I think, you know, with the Oklahoma bias, sure, you could say that, but these guys have played here. They know what Oklahoma's like. So Taylor Gooch, Victor Hovland, Victor's probably towards the top of my list this week as a real true competitor that has a fantastic shot at legitimately winning this golf tournament. Uh, but you, you talk about a guy like Taylor Gooch, and for Victor, too, it would be life-changing. But for Taylor Gooch, someone like that, to get a victory in his home state where he grew up his whole life, I can't even imagine uh, that he'd be able to put that into words if that was able to happen next Sunday. So, I hope we get the wind. I, I will tell you guys, I'm a little disappointed, though, because I looked at the weather in Tulsa, and yeah, it's always a little off. We, we know, hey, uh, not to throw weathermen under the bus, but they can be wrong more times than not at times. But there is currently no days that are going to be over 25-mile-hour wind. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that changes. And it looks like we got maybe two patches of rain for Friday and Saturday as well. So Hopefully the rain goes away and we just get some windy conditions. And it, it's a tough, tough course. What do you guys think the score is going to be? Winning score-wise, have you guys talked about that? No, we haven't. Brian, what do you think? Well, that's a tough one. You know, it depends on the wind, like we talked about. It, it, the forecast is saying 15 to 20 for most days, which is, for tour guys, windy. Not for Oklahoma, but for tour guys that don't play a lot in Oklahoma, it's windy. I would say that 10 under, somebody gets to 10, they'll win. Because Southern Hills is a lot like Augusta in the sense that you've got elevation changes and you've got a bunch of old, big, mature trees. And I think that that is going to uh, have a lot of swirling winds on people, you know, and I think it's going to lead to some misclubbing. And you get above the pin there, dicey. But, you know, a guy you didn't even mention, Abe Answer, low ball flight, 
Familiar really, around here. Familiar around here. Really accurate off the tee. Maybe a guy like that has a chance in this. <sighs> Score to win. I know that Mickelson, I think, if I'm if what I'm looking at is right from last year, he was six under right to win last year's PGA championship. I think I mean, but typically PGA championships, it's one of the it's one of the majors where guys score to win the major championship. So I'm gonna say eleven under. I know that that you know could could be in not knowing fully what the conditions are going to be. I mean, these guys are professional golfers, right? I mean, they're gonna they're gonna go score on this course over the course of four days. Something like a yeah, 11, 11 12 under, somewhere like that. What do you think, Matt? I'm gonna go seven. I'm gonna go seven. I think that uh, Southern Hills will play tough. The only way I see it getting to double digits is if it does rain and soften the greens. But if they don't soften the greens with rain, then I think it's going to be around seven, um, maybe eight. I could see it getting to 11, though, very easily if it softens up the greens, and that's the part you just don't know going into the week. But Kiowa, uh, having been there last year, I mean, it was a tough track. They made it tough. Uh, It was definitely not easy by any stretch, but for anyone that's been at Southern Hills, it ain't easy either. So uh, I think that it's going to definitely cause some problems for guys and uh, give them some trouble. So it, the the benefactor of this is definitely the guys who have played and win before consistently. I, I really think it's going to be someone from that circle that has won. A name that I didn't throw out also, Brian, was Jordan Spieth. And the closer we get to this golf tournament, the more I just have a feeling this just might be his turn to win a tournament like this. Uh, would would not shock me one bit with the way he's been playing lately. Just won a tournament a couple weeks ago and heading into this tournament with some good momentum. Well, guys, I just Googled up what the winning score was when we had the U.S. Open at Southern Hills. It was four under. Yeah. Now, we know they set, typically set the courses up much harder for the U.S. Open. But I'll tell you, with what the weather we've had, we had a bunch of rain. And then we had the heat come in. The Bermuda is really growing. And if they've got the the uh, first and second cut of rough up, that course can be a monster. Yeah, it's just tough to gauge today without kind of fully knowing what the conditions are going to be like and how how they've got the course set up, right? I mean, how how penal do they want some of that secondary cut, the rough you know, do they want it to be close to par, or are they they going to let these guys, you know, get out of some tough lies and attack? Um, we don't know. We don't know, but we'll have a good idea about that, uh, obviously, beginning of next week, I think. Well, Josh, you bring up a great segue. We will know on beginning of next week because Matt Reynolds is going to be there covering it <laughs> for right. us all week. Matt, right? Tell everybody what you're going to be doing. I will be there Monday through Sunday. Uh, so every every hour of the day, uh, thank the Lord, heavens above, I will not be in a basketball tournament next week. Love basketball, but it's nice to be <laughs> You're a ready break. for a break. And I am ready. So if you have uh, something for me for work that is not golf, uh, please email it to me. But I, I will be bringing coverage here to the station. And that's the first thing, guys, I'm going to look at. That is the first report of what is the grass like? Because, Brian, you hit the nail on the head. If it's up. Oh man, I, I may change my prediction from seven to two, depending on if you know how high that rough is, and looking at the forecast with the wind. 
that that's going to play a huge factor in this. And we've talked about players here and there. There are some guys that play much better out of the rough. There are some guys that play really bad out of the rough. And then there are some guys, one Abe answer that is probably the straightest off the tee, one of them in, on the tour. The, the straight guys who keep it on that fairway, that short grass, are going to have a huge, huge advantage. I said, you know, 11 under as potentially a champion, just, you know, top of the head, first number that came to me. There is going to be a sense of pride for me if Southern Hills, like, if this thing plays like a U.S. Open, I, I would love that. I mean, if the score is anywhere, you know, five under or less for the champion, I think would be great to watch these guys struggle a little bit. I just am kind of going off the history of PGA championships in general. But, man, anything close to par or a little bit beyond par I think would be – do you guys feel that way? I mean – like, would you feel a sense of pride to see these guys struggle a little bit at Southern Hills? Well, Ryan, I don't know about you, but I, I particularly love it, love it to see these guys struggle because we go out there and play. And look, I don't care how good you are, whether you're a scratch or whether you're like me, just under a ten handicap, you're going to go out there, and there's going to be some holes where you absolutely probably lose it. And a lot of times we watch these golfers, and we don't see that because the TV shows all the good. But boy, oh boy, is it going to be fun to see uh, if the rough is up, if it is playing as tough as possible, if the greens are as fast as possible, which by all accounts, I I know the greens are quick. Uh, I know that uh, from a few people that have played it in the last week and a half. So that part of it's done. Now it's just a question really about the rough and and the second cut and how how that looks as well. But particularly, Brian, I I enjoy it when these guys struggle because it shows they're human beings. I agree. And as we go to break, let's ponder this and come back. Let's do our picks in this last segment when we come back. And I think we need like a gentleman's wager on it. Let's just go ahead and throw out a uh, Housemith Restaurant Group gift card as the prize for whoever picks either the winner or the top finisher. I love it. Okay, cool. And, you know, I can take some more submissions you know next week so if you don't get in beginning of next week we got to have a cutoff day maybe tuesday well or something. we're gonna we're gonna have that you know we'll have our pick em contest with toby there you go boom love it but if you want to start sending some you know submissions in by all means do that now and we can make our picks coming up next it's the gimme zone right here on the ref all of our pga championship coverage it's brought to us by elite roofing systems eliteroofok.com They're headquartered in both Oklahoma City and Tulsa, 405-361-3094. That's the Oklahoma City number to call. The Tulsa number, 918-984-5475. So we've got about five minutes here before we head out the door. we got to make picks for the PGA Championship. Who do we like to win? Before we do that, though, you've got your opportunity here, Matt. I mean, what did you – what did you think about Phil Mickelson withdrawing from this PGA championship? I think that with the ruling earlier this week, which an incredible timing uh, by the commissioner there, of course, to put it out that live golf will not be allowed to play in tour events that Jay Monahan forced Phil's hand. I don't believe that the PGA tour welcomed him there at all. I think that, uh, it's some great spin, and the PGA Tour has made Phil look as bad as he possibly can. But I have no doubt in my mind that it's either one or two things. Either one, Phil wasn't healthy, which I don't think that's it, because if that was it, I think Phil would have never entered uh, two weeks ago if he knew he wasn't healthy. 
And the second thing of what I really do believe it is in my heart of hearts is that he was told he was not welcome and that they did not want him to play on the PGA Tour ever again. And there's a lawsuit that's getting ready to go down. That's that's my guess, not reporting that, but uh, just an inkling just from following it. But it, it's very, very fitting, uh, all the things. And, of course, Alan Shipnuck, uh, not a big fan of him, but uh, his book comes out this week. So it will have, I'm sure, a ton of a, a negative effect on Phil as well. And that, that could have been part of the reason as well. He, he knew a lot of stuff was going to come out and didn't want to have to deal with it. But it's a, it's a crying shame. He's the defending champion of this tournament. He won it at over the age of 50, and we talk all the time, and we want to be able to relate to athletes. And this man was over 50 and won a major championship event. Uh, it's incredible, incredible feat that he pulled off. So just unfortunate that we'll have to, it's great that we'll have Tiger, but it would have really, really been uh, something cool and special to see if we had Phil Mickelson as well. Well, who do you guys like? Brian, who... Do you want me to read some odds first before we make Yeah, go picks? do some odds, Josh. Put them up on my board there so I can see them with you. Okay, so, uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll pull them up here for you. Um, just reading through some of these, the top odds, according to this from CBS, Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm, both 11-1. to 1. Rory McIlroy is 12 to 1. Colin Morikawa, 14 to 1. Uh, that's the same as Justin Thomas. Dustin Johnson, Cam- Cameron Smith, 16 to 1. Brooks Kepka, 18 to 1. And Hovland, DeChambeau, and Spieth and Cantley, all 20 to 1. So from you know that group of favorites and beyond, if you want to pick a champion, who do you guys like? Brian, we'll start with you. Well, I have been on a heater lately picking winners, and I'm going to Vegas tomorrow, so... You better be riding uh, that hot streak. I will have a few little tickets on this tournament. I'm going there for Coaches versus Cancer that's put on by Lon and Kevin Kruger. Shout out to those guys. It's hard for me to pick against Scheffler because he did bring home the winning ticket last time, but I'm going to go with... Jordan Spieth. Matt, what do you think? Spieth is who I was honestly uh, thinking about myself. I think there's a lot of really, really good things. I, I'm pretty much down in my head to either going to be Spieth, Cameron Smith, Victor Hovland, uh, or Colin Morikawa. Uh, I, I don't think any of the top three in the odds win, uh, but I do think they're going to play well, of course. They're very talented players. Well, to be different, since Spieth is off the board, uh, I'm going to go with one Victor Hovland. Uh, he's played, obviously, here quite a bit. He's super talented. And I think he's due this year to win a major, so why not win it in Tulsa? Yeah, I, I just – any of the top odds, guys, I think are solid picks without totally knowing how it's going to play just yet. But remember, Matt's going to be there all week long getting us up to date on what's going on in terms of the, the course conditions. I'm going to take Justin Thomas, who feels like he's due to win another major championship. But quite frankly, you know, John Rahm, McElroy, Morikawa, uh, Dustin Johnson, I mean, any of those guys I think are good picks. Hey, before we get out of here, everybody throw out a dark horse real quick. Somebody that's not Ricky Fowler. Hit. Ricky Fowler plays well in the wind, obviously familiar around here. Matt, who you got? I'm going to throw out oh. – Give me Max Homa. He's a, he's a dark horse. He just won. Well, I was afraid you were going to steal my pick there, Matt. I'm going with the local guy, Taylor Gooch. Would love it. Would love it. 
Hey, uh, both of you guys have a good Saturday, all right? We'll do it again next Saturday for the PGA Championship. So long, everybody.